Pastor Mike McCoy, welcoming you to the Time of Truth. Reading brought me to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, and I'm, I'm going to share with you tonight how the last, the last verse of that chapter, verse number 10. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, you know this is the oldest, or they say it's the oldest, they think this is the earliest of Paul's writings. And he settles some things in this. I mean, right off the bat, Paul's going Paul's to talk to us about things that we need to know and understand. I find, it, uh, I find it interesting that in his first writings, he's talking about the church leaving. Isn't that amazing, Jimmy? I'm watching a guy on a, on a video this afternoon. He said, for all you people that believe in a, a, a pre pre-tribulation rapture, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to straighten you out. So he's trying to straighten me out. He didn't do it, but he tried. Uh, he just left too many, too many verses. He used three or four verses and just tried to construct something that I couldn't, I couldn't make the other verses fit into. I'm not trying to make the Bible fit into my, my understanding. I'm trying to understand what the Bible says. And so, uh, you know, it, it, Paul said like this, rightly dividing the word of truth. And, I, you know, us free will Baptists may be wrong about some things. But right now, it's how I understand it. And, uh, and I'm convicted. It's where my conviction lies. And I like the way we worship, the way we do things. Take people in, how we, how, just the way we conduct, to conduct our church. I, I, I love this way. But I'm, I'm not saying that we're, we've got it coined and we're the only ones. We could learn some things ourselves. And so, First uh, Thessalonians, you're going to have to let me read this entire chapter. I'll be as quick as I can. If I could preach this in 20 minutes, you'd be happy, and, and my voice would be too. And, uh, and, uh, but I, I just feel compelled. I know this is what God had me share tonight. Right now, in this place, this time for those that are here. And when I saw that people in Pakistan are watching us regular in Uganda and stuff, and they, they're writing us, they're, they're commenting on what we're doing here. Say, preach, brother, preach. You encourage me in Pakistan and Uganda and all these other places. That's amazing. Thousand-something people watching this thing just the other night. Isn't that amazing? Simply amazing. Wonderful. And when this gospel shall be preached, all the earth. Hello. Paul and Silvanus, that's Silas, by the way, just a different writing, spelling. And, and Timotheus, or Timotheus, I call him Timotheus, under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and your labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Don't let that word scare you. I'm glad to be the elect, aren't you? Aren't you? Uh -huh. Look at it like this. God voted for me. <laughs> Elected me. Put me in office. King and priest. Isn't that good? Don't let that scare you. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance 
as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. That's, that's a mouthful right there. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that good? So that we were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Now, note where this is. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad. That's kind of like Pakistan and Uganda watching us here. So that we need not speak anything. Listen, for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living true God. Now, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us, and here's what I want to talk about tonight, from the wrath to come. Father, I love you. Thank you for the night and the time, the place, the people, the blessing of the Lord, the good testimony, the sweet spirit, and here we are to praise you, Lord. We lift the name that's above every name. We come gathered in this house in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord and our King. Praise his name forever. Thank you for what you've done for us. But oh God, thank you for what you're going to do. I'm asking you to help me tonight for a little while, Lord. Share what's on my heart. Let it bless your people. Use us for your glory. I'll praise you forever. Fill my mouth and guard my tongue. God, help me be accurate in scripture. And I ask it in the King's name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Going to need your Bibles tonight. Uh, we find this word wrath uh, in the Word of God. I think it, I didn't write it down, but I think it's about a hundred, hundred or ninety-eight times, something like that. It's a lot. Uh, the wrath to come wrath, it, when you start in the Old Testament, it just means to be enraged. It follows that throughout the entire book. It means to be enraged. It means that God's angry. It, it means to be, it means to, to speak or say something. Uh, with power and strength and then if we would use the term it, it's more than aggravated us it, it has assaulted us it's offended us God's offended at some of the things that's in the world today and to use the word wrath here now I, I like what Paul said here which delivered us from the wrath to come that, so that's a warning that's a warning to the world now Paul's I want us to get this Paul's writing this at a time, and I th from his own words, I think Paul's looking for the return of the Lord. Because he says later in chapter four, then we which are alive and remain. Paul's expectation was that he's given this warning because he thinks it's closer than it really is. But Paul doesn't know that. Of all the things Paul knew, this thing was 2,000 years plus down the road. I don't think we're that far. And we can see things, we can see things that Paul couldn't see. Historically. Listen, historically, we know things Paul didn't know. 
Paul hadn't lived it yet. Listen to me, kids. That's why your mom and dad knows what you're thinking, what you're doing, because they've been where you are. We've been kids too. And we've done dumb and stupid things. I call it my young and stupid years. But then, praise God, the light came on. And we, we must grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we grew up, and now we know things. We know things because we've lived through things. But we see things because now what the Bible was prophesying, we can look back on and say, wow, here it is. So there's a warning about the wrath to come. The wrath's coming. Now, I know I preach a lot of grace around here. I feel like I do. I preach grace, grace, and more grace. And where sin did abound, grace did. Much more abound. Hallelujah. I'm glad for grace. I'm glad for mercy that endureth forever. I'm glad for these things. But I want you to know, there comes a day when the grace and the mercy is cut off. And it's wrath. Now, you're going to need your Bibles. And I'm not going to apologize if this turns into a Bible study. We need the Word of God. So, I want us to consider the reality of wrath. And, and down to this, and this is how it, it turns it. The Bible, formed, you go to Job. Let's flip over to Job. That's right before Psalms. And let's go to chapter 21. And I didn't mark mine, so I'm turning pages with you. Uh, let's go to verse or chapter 21. I'm, cons- I'm excited or, or, or thinking on verse number 30, but to get it in context, we, got, we, we must read 29. Job 21 and 29 says this. Have ye not asked them that go by the way and do not, do ye not know their tokens that the wicked, here's what it is, that the wicked is reserved to the day of destruction. They shall be brought forth to the day of wrath. Now that tells me, that tells me there that there is a day of wrath coming. Job, this being the earliest letter of Paul, this being the oldest writings of the Bible, the book of Job, the earliest manuscripts is the book of Job, not Genesis as most think. And so there it is. We have this, and he's promising this, a day of wrath. The reality of the day of wrath. Look at Proverbs 11 and 4. Just if you're Bible markers, you can mark yours. 11 and 4 in Proverbs. And I'm turning with you. I'm back in Psalms now. I'm back into Proverbs. My pages are stuck together. And I want to go to 11 and 4. Of, of Proverbs, and listen at this. Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. Riches profit not. What's that saying? In that day, your money won't matter. In the day of wrath, you can't buy your way out of it. George Soros is out of business in the day of wrath. Why would you say that? Well, he, 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 he doesn't profess anything about God, but he's, he, he owns half the world. And two-thirds of our politicians, I'm satisfied. But it won't do him no good. What should it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? What would a man give in exchange for his soul? I'll tell you what he'd give. Every penny he ever earned, he'd give it all back. 
It's the reality of wrath. Wrath is coming. Wrath is coming. The wrath of God is coming. Now, we don't think that. I mean, we got up this morning. Everybody went about their jobs. We ate breakfast. We done our thing. I kept my nose in the book most of the day. We just, we just done what we do. We, I mean, we're concerned about our job. Should be concerned about our job. We're doing what we do. Concerned about the people's houses that burn. Doing what we do. And often we forget that there is a day of wrath coming. You want to go somewhere else? Let's go to the back of the book, Revelation 6. You don't have to turn these. I'm going to read them to you. But I'd like for you to look at it on the page. I'd like for you to stare at it, look at it. Say, let's, right there it is. Now mark it. I know where it's at. In Revelation 6, and when he closes this. Now, everybody has their opinion of what Revelation 6 stands for. I'm not getting into all that tonight. We've, two or three times we've been through Revelation around here. But the closing chapter number 6, the Bible said, for the great day of his wrath is come. This is when it comes. And who shall be able to stand? The great day. The day. A day. We've read about the day of wrath from Job, the earliest manuscripts. We go to the end of the book. What's he still talking about? The great day. And now it's come. The day of wrath has come. The reality. Well, what's that result? What's the result of the wrath of God? Destruction, chaos, carnage. We could just go down the list and, and use the, uh, the entire encyclopedia of action to, to, to describe how bad it's going to be. I want us to look at it on the page. Go to one of the most read prophecies in the Bible, Zephaniah. Zephaniah, Zechariah, Haggai, Malachi. Close that thing out, you know. Let's go to Zephaniah. And, 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 and verse chapter one. Now Zephaniah, let me give you a little background right here so this will make sense to you. Zephaniah is prophesying during the time of Josiah, the last good king of Judah. Okay, so we've got the last good king of Judah. Remember Will Beauchamp's, I'm, I'm gonna get him back up here for a revival. Will preached a message on the great revival that never was, I won't ever forget it, and he used Josiah and I've never forgot, it was, it was reform. Things changed, but it wasn't revival because they didn't change the right things. The situation, the landscape, the politics, even the worship, church changed, but the people didn't change. Zephaniah's talking about that. He's prophesying during that time. He's contemporary with Jeremiah. Are you still with me? Verse 15. He's talking about the coming judgment. We have a near and far prophecy right here. You hear me say that all the time. I learned this from other guys, reading after learned men. And then I begin to see it on the page. It helped me. We have a near prophecy about what's, what's about to happen. Listen to what he said. Verse 15 of Zephaniah 1. The that day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wantonness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. A day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. And I bring distress upon men 
that they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord and their blood shall be poured out as dust and their flesh is dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by fire of his jealousy, for he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. You know what happened? Nebuchadnezzar came. And you know what they done? They killed people. They killed the majority. They took some captive. And men and women and babies and children and, and then the cities burned. I mean, when God's wrath, when he said, I'm sending my wrath, his wrath come and his wrath was something they didn't want. They'd been warned. They'd been warned the reality of wrath and then they tasted the result of it. You want to see a verse I found today? I've read this a bunch. I hadn't really paid any attention to it until I jumped down to chapter two and verse number four. For Gaza shall be forsaken. Wonder when that's going to happen. Hello? You can read the rest of it for yourself when you get home. That's another message. Think God wasn't way ahead of this thing? What are you saying here, preacher? I'm saying this is a near and far prophecy. It was near in that day, but it's speaking of another day of wrath that I read to you in Revelation 6 and 17. And that day, these same things going to happen. The fire, the death, the destruction, the desolation, the fear. There won't be no running to mama and daddy get no help. Mom and daddy can't help you. Your government's out of business. They can't help you. Xi and Biden meeting today. They need to meet. There they are meeting today, talking face to face. The great communist and, 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 and our president, there they are meeting face to face. Listen, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. What does that mean? That means that God's moving them the way he wants them to go. You mean they, what does that mean? That means they're going to play right into prophecy and nobody can do anything about it. They can't even do anything about it themselves. And if they won't be the one that does it, he'll just knock them off or something will happen. And the next one to step in, they'll be the ones that do it. God's plan will be fulfilled. And I'm telling you, the reality of wrath then the result of that wrath. You want to know what the result of wrath was? You can read this. You've heard me preach it. You'd go to Luke 23 and 33, and there they crucified him. That's the result of his wrath. There they crucified him. And then you've heard me teach this and preach this that when you get to Revelation chapter number 16, now I'm back at the end of the book. You go to the end of the book to see the first of the book, first of the book to see the end of the book, and the book is revealed and concealed to everybody that's got it. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Hey, he'll show it to us. If, this were, if our gospel be hid, it's him to them that are lost, whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them. If you want to see it, you can. The Spirit hath revealed unto us, yeah, the deep things of God. 
and there he was crucified. We go to Revelation 16. I think that's a picture of Calvary. I think I've found most everything except where the frogs speak, and I'm not concerned about that. I'm not listening to him anyway. But I see a picture of Christ in Revelation 16. Everything that happened, the wound, the burning, the fire, the hurt, the darkness, the loneliness, being, being desolate, that's all him. Thirsting, that's him. He said, I thirst. I can come through that chapter and find something right there that happened at Calvary on every one of them. There it is. You know what that is? And it says it's this. It's the cup of the fierceness of his wrath. You know who's poured out on? Jesus. You know what that is? That's him taking my wrath. That's the wrath that belonged to me on the very Son of God. Now, for all these birds that think I got a taste at, they've bumped their head. If that's not, if I'm wrong about this, I'm gonna have to tear some pages out of this writ. Because then, listen, we've talked about the reality, we've talked about the result, we see the result. We never, listen. We wasn't there when Judah, when Jerusalem was burned. We didn't see that. We weren't there. And when Titus done it again in 70 AD, we didn't see that. God talked about it. He said, it's going to happen. It happened. They got dispersed. But he said, a nation would be born overnight. Hey, some of you was alive when that part happened. Some of you were alive in 48 when Israel became a nation again. Hey, I believe some of us are going to be alive, praise God, when he comes back for us. Well, I'm looking at my page today and I thought the reality of wrath and the result of it wasn't too good. It's bad. But then I thought, you know what I am? Rescued. <laughs> it's good to be rescued from wrath. <laughs> and they've talked about it all night. Russell talked about it. Brother Jason talked about it. How easy it is to be rescued from the wrath to come. Simply come and call. Lord, I'm the sinner. And you're the Savior. Be merciful to me, an old sinner. You don't have to know John 3.16. Just know he's the Savior. Confess you're a sinner. And God will save you. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Rescued from wrath. Now how do I know that? Because of what Paul said in Romans 5, 8 and 9. He said, he said there... For God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than, you mean much more than that? Much more than being justified now. Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. If I'm going to taste the wrath of God, then that verse is wrong. I'm not going to taste it. Because he tasted it for me. I don't have to taste it. Because he done it for me. Hallelujah. He drank my cup. The wrath of God was poured out on him. And I don't have to taste his wrath. I've been rescued from the wrath to come. First Thessalonians 5 and 9 in that same book. He said he's not appointed us to wrath. But to salvation through Christ Jesus. That's what he appointed us to. He didn't appoint. He's talking to believers there. He said he didn't appoint you to wrath. 
He appointed you to salvation. I'm glad I got that appointment, praise God. I need to read you something right here. I'm all shouting. I was all shouting it out today. Flipped right to that. I'm all shouting it out over this today. I want everybody in this room listen to me real close right here. Kids, mom, dad, grandpa, grandma. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth. On him. What is that wrath? That's the that is the that is the 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 the, the enraged God of heaven pouring out judgment on you. Who's that for? Without mercy. Without mercy. That's what it says. Without mercy. That means the judgment, the wrath of God poured out on unbelievers. That's my unbelieving family and yours. That's people's unsaved children, their unsaved parents, their unsaved spouses. That's the reason the devil doesn't want the family close together today. He's doing everything he can to divide the family. He doesn't want you, he don't want you talking, communicating. He doesn't want you loving on each other. He wants, ever, he wants individualism. That's what humanists teach, you know. He wants individualism. He don't want you accountable to anybody. He don't want you close to anybody because if it's just you, it don't matter. But in the end, then it matters. Then it matters. And there you are. And the wrath of God abides on you. I want to tell you an old Coast Guard story I've told here before, but it just, when God puts it on my heart, I figure it. Somebody needs it. I was, in the, I was in Mobile with a guy named Jeff Tonks. I never forgot that guy's name. I, and that's, I'm going back 40 years. A long time. Longer than that. And, and Jeff Tonks, was a, he's a real stout boy. He's a survivalman. It's what they call him, ASM. Survivalman. He's one of the guys that jumped out of planes, swam in the water. And uh, I was the guy that ran the basket down. So I'm in the airplane. The other guy's the one in the water putting somebody in the basket. That's what Jeff done. And Jeff got shipped to Alaska, and that's why I got out, because that's where they said I was going, and I said, well, I'm out. But God had another plan. I didn't, I didn't understand right then. And so I got out, and I, was, I worked for Steve Galloway for a lot of years, and he taught me how to do electrical work, he had a Reader's Digest laying there one day, and I picked it up, and in that Reader's Digest, there's a story about a Coast Guard. It said, Coast Guard caught my attention like that. I'm reading it, and here it is. Here it is, and it's, it's about, uh, it's about uh, E6 Jeff Tonks. I thought, man, there's a story. I know this guy. Uh, they got a bad call, it was, and he, he, he flew out of uh, uh, H3s. It was a little bigger plane than we were in. He, so he, he was flying out of an H3, and they got a bad call up in Sitka, Alaska. And they went out and there's a dad and a boy got, their boat got capsized in bad water. And, and the storm's bad. The waves are real bad. And when they get out there, when they get out there, the waves, this is hard to imagine, but you're trying to run a horse down. You're trying to run a basket down about uh, 50, uh, I think our old plane was 50 or 60 feet tops. There's maybe 70, 
but the waves are 40 or 50. I mean, the waves are coming up pretty close to the bottom of the boat. You, the, the plank, you can't, you gotta be careful. You can't get the basket down there and get it all tangled up and, 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 and water hits it, it moves, it's just dangerous. Jeff is the swimmer that day. The other crewman, that what, if I'd have been there, what he was doing is running the basket. He was in the door. The captain said, abort the mission. It's too dangerous. You can't, you can just go so far. You can't endanger the life of the plane and the crew. It's just, it just tough luck. So, sometimes you can't save them. And said, said Jeff was in the door ready to go out. He's the swimmer. They get him about 40 or 50 feet above the water. He bails out, falls, free falls that far into the water. It's freezing cold. He got a survival man gear on. No, he's, he's got stuff. He, he, he's sitting in the door and said he looked down and said he saw that little boy's eyes. He jumped out of the plane. And the, the flight mech said, our swimmer is in the water. Oh, now we're committed. The swimmer's gone in. We can't leave. Drop the basket. The basket's going in the water. Jeff's down there swimming. He gets over to that little boy. Said the boy grabs him around the neck. He's hanging on for dear life. He said the basket gets in there. They go up. The wave collapses. You've been at the beach in a three-foot wave. Imagine a 40-footer. He's, so you're up here one minute. Next minute you're way down here and the basket's way up there. And they're doing this and he's trying to... They finally catch a wave. Jeff gets him slung over into the basket and they get the little boy up. And now the dad's turn. Got to try to get the dad in the basket, but he's a little bit of help. Dad gets in the basket finally. They get him in the plane. Now Jeff's going to get in the basket and they get Jeff back in the plane. And the captain said, we said abort the mission. And Jeff said, yeah, but I saw his eyes. Said when I saw his eyes, he needed help. And he couldn't help himself. But I could help him. That's the way we were. We were capsized. The storm was coming, the waves was beating us to death. Hey, we looked up, he saw us in our desperation. And when we cried out, praise God, he came down. Aren't you glad you've been rescued? Why would nobody be rescued? Why would they not want to be rescued? Lord, rescue me. And he'll do it. You'll come. Listen. She's going to play soft. You're going to stand to your feet, bow your heads. It'd be good to be saved on Wednesday night prayer meeting, wouldn't it? If you didn't know him, there would not be a better, there'd not be an easier time to be saved if you're here and you're unsaved tonight. Heads are bowed and she's playing soft on the piano. Pastor Mike McCoy, thanking you for joining us at the Time of Truth.